from ABC7 New York, this is Eyewitness News Extra Time. The state of the NYPD is strong. The actions of New York's finest over the last few weeks alone has been a showcase of incredible bravery, fortitude, and intelligence. Crime is down, but how's morale? The state of the NYPD today from New York's top cop. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh Einiger, and it is not easy to police the nation's biggest city. Case in point, some of the men seen in video beating two New York cops. This was just two days ago in Times Square. They were arrested, but almost immediately released back to the street without bail or apparent consequences. And such is the frustration cops voice every day, even though the NYPD says the city ended 2023 with crime down, including a 12% drop in the all-important homicide count. So what's in store for 2024? Eyewitness News reporter N.J. Burkett was at the State of the NYPD address today. He has the story. Experts say the goal has to be to drive down crime to where it was before the pandemic. No, they're not there yet, Josh. But we looked into the numbers, and what we found may be surprising. It's taken more than a year, but the rising tide of crime underground has turned. There were fewer crimes in the New York City transit system last year than there were before the pandemic. The NYPD strategy of surging hundreds of officers into the subway appears to have paid off. Arrests, especially for fare evasion, are up dramatically. The state of the NYPD is strong. In the department's first ever state of the NYPD address, police commanders claimed credit for driving down transit crime and street crime, with fewer shootings and murders last year than the year before. But despite the trend, most crime is still higher than it was before the pandemic. Since 2019, overall crime is still up 32%, fueled by robberies and felony assaults. Only transit crime is lower by 9.5%. Richard Aborn is with the Nonpartisan Citizens Crime Commission. That needs to be our goal. We need to get crime back down to pre-COVID levels and then drive it down further from there. The department faces serious challenges, from emotionally unstable people to a wave of police retirement, sinking morale, and new layers of oversight after the How Many Stops Act was adopted by the city council. When the police are held accountable, when they have to tell us what they're doing, they will behave themselves. PBA President Patrick Hendry. Police officers are leaving on a, on a daily basis. Uh, all, all members are at their breaking point. But the department's greatest obstacle may be the public's perception of crime. This is our challenge. So our goal and our constant focus is for riders to get from point A to point B without being confronted by crime, lawlessness or disorder, and ultimately, while feeling safe. Richard Aborn says it often takes months before perception matches reality. That may be the challenge for the NYPD in 2024. In Lower Manhattan, NJ Burkett, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Josh? NJ, thank you. Today, the chiefs of the nation's top social media companies were on the hot seat on Capitol Hill as the Senate Judiciary Committee grilled them on the exploitation of children on their platforms. Lawmakers are working up legislation to protect kids from online predators. And at the hearing today, an unexpected apology from the founder of Facebook. ABC's Ike Ajaji, live in Washington tonight with the story. Ike. Hey, Josh, good evening. It's been a heated and contentious hearing so far. Lawmakers sparring with tech CEOs, accusing them of facilitating heinous crimes against young children. 
The five big social media bosses under oath, three forced to be there under subpoena. You have a product that's killing people. The Senate Judiciary Committee accusing the chief executives of Meta, X, TikTok, Snap, and Discord of failing to protect young users on their platform. Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. The tech executives testifying in front of a packed hearing room full of grieving families, some holding images of their children, saying they were all victims of some form of exploitation on a social media platform. Zuckerberg, who runs Facebook and Instagram, especially singled out. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? The five executives trying to highlight new tools on their platforms they say will manage children's online experiences all while safeguarding them from harm and illegal content. We strongly encourage parents to use the device level parental controls on iPhone and Android. Our commitment is ongoing and unwavering because there is no finish line when it comes to protecting teens. Now, as for a solution, Josh, senators pushing each CEO a handful of bills lawmakers say will safeguard young children online. And the companies largely said they don't back them in their current form, Josh. Ike, we saw Zuckerberg stand up and apologize in the middle of this hearing, which was you know, a pretty momentous occasion. I imagine a statement like that isn't more common because these companies are also afraid of litigation. So what kind of action do they face from families like these when it comes to civil litigation? That's right. A lot of these major companies are currently facing serious lawsuits as we speak right now. As a matter of fact, Meta, ByteDance, which owns TikTok, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, and even Snap, which obviously owns Snapchat, they're all facing lawsuits right now saying that their platforms are harming young children. As a matter of fact, Snapchat is facing a class action lawsuit from a group of mothers from California who say that their child, which they lost, happened because their child overdosed on pills, obviously fentanyl poisoning, all bought on Snapchat from dealers they met on that platform, Josh. Unbelievable. Okay, Ike Jaji live in Washington. Thanks so much, Ike. And coming up later on in this newscast, we're going to have uh, an interview with a psychologist to talk about how to protect your kids from this type of social media online predator. That's going to come up in just a few minutes. Ike, thank you. We're going to turn now, though, to the weather. It was yet another day of gray, but there's finally a ray of hope on the horizon. Here's Jeff Smith for the first look at the forecast. You know, you might be sick of the sun by this time next week. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to go off on a little, I mean, we're going to get such a stretch starting Saturday. We still have to wait until Saturday to see full sunshine. Here's a look outside right now, and uh, we have a lot of clouds out there on the satellite picture. You even woke up to a little bit of a coating of snow north and west of New York City. Netcong, western Morris County, almost one inch of snowfall last night into very early this morning. Even a couple of flakes flying in the city at times last night. 39 right now in the park, 36 at Newburgh, 37 Belmar, 37 on the island right now at Islip. And those snowflakes were courtesy of that wind coming in off of the water, transporting that Atlantic Ocean moisture inland. So tomorrow is going to be a little bit nicer, a little bit more in the way of sunshine, at least some brightening or some thinning of the clouds. So we're calling it, quote, the nicest day of the week, even though clouds will still win out over sunshine. It'll be in the upper 40s. Showers showing up tomorrow night into early Friday. Wet snowflakes could even mix in with that rainfall in some places north and west of New York City. And then that stretch of sunshine starting on Saturday and lasting right into much of next week. 
Overnight tonight, we're down to about 36 in Midtown. You're at or below the freezing mark in your normally colder spots north and west, even down to the freezing mark on the island and into southwestern parts of Connecticut. Tomorrow, look at that, 49 for a high. Your best chance at seeing some breaks of sun south of New York City, where it may actually touch 50 on a couple of thermometers, more like middle 40s off to the north. And look at this, that rainfall chance, of course, goes up later on tomorrow night into early Friday, but then goose eggs here, zero, and that means a lot of sunshine starting Saturday. We'll detail that. We'll tell you how temperatures trend as well in your AccuWeather seven-day forecast. Josh, back over to you. I don't know. You know, I'm going to miss the clouds. I really am. Oh, I, I'm sure you will. I am. Yeah. All right, Josh, we'll see you <laughs> later. And as we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time this Wednesday night, Groundhog Day without the groundhog. The town in New Jersey is missing a key ingredient for its annual event. And a closer look at the online sales scams that are all over social media, in particular Facebook Marketplace, the warning signs and how to avoid the scams from Seven on Your Side's Nina Pineda. And welcome back to Extra Time this Wednesday night. We talked to the top of the newscast about that contentious hearing in Washington on online child safety that took center stage on Capitol Hill. The CEOs from Meta, X, TikTok, Discord and Snapchat all testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle took turns slamming the CEOs for exposing some children to predators online and extracted an unusual promise from Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg for causing harm to children. This is a big issue for parents, and joining us now to discuss more about it is a psychiatrist at New York Presbyterian, Dr. Warren Eng. He's the community health director at the Center for Youth Mental Health. Dr. Eng, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much, Josh, and thank you for raising the awareness of this really important issue. So what do you see uh, in clinic and, and in your practice and in your research about how many kids are at risk and what, what the risks are? Obviously, there have been some real horror stories that were highlighted uh, at the Senate today. Thank you, Josh. And beyond the horror stories is really the reality. And the U.S. Surgeon General put out a warning or advisory on youth mental health and social media. And it clearly states that over 95% of all adolescents and young people are on social media. So this is a reality. The question is, is how are we responding to it? And how are we helping young people understand both the power, the utility, but also the concerns related to social media? What I'm seeing every day is that social media is a part of young people's lives. So I think the important thing here is how do we help them manage it? One way to think about social media is really thinking about like driving, driving a car. The important thing is know how to do right. safety precautions. What are the concerns? And also, how do we protect them? Right. So, like we do things. So, so it starts early, right? I mean, you know, I have a 10 year old. He's not on any social media platform, as far as I know. Uh, at some point, that'll change. So, what do I do as a parent to prepare him? What's really important as a parent is also for you to be informed as a parent. So understanding how do you use social media? What are some of the things that are concerning to you already? It's estimated that about 40% of kids 8 to 10 years old are utilizing social media. The important thing is to understand for yourself what are some of the concerns. And you can get this information as a part of the Center of Excellence on Social Media and Mental Health at the American, American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry's collaboration with the American Academy of Pediatrics. There's also common sense media. And there are specific tools and guidance for parents 
to really understand how do you have a family media plan? How do you understand how your young people are utilizing social media and having that conversation, asking mm -hmm. the question. So there's a there's obviously a difference here between, you know, an online predator that a, that a child is coming into contact with on social media that might lead to something in, in real life. But there's also just the the rot of of the screen time and the social media exposure that, that kids have. So how do you recommend parents limit the time their kids spend on social media and how much time is too much time? So that's such a great question. And first thing is to ask the question and to really monitor it on your children's devices and asking them. And one of the things that we're most concerned about, and as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, what I really want to know is if you're spending this much time on social media, what aren't you doing? And most commonly, the things are sleep, sometimes spending time with loved ones or friends and family, and also doing your schoolwork. So there are different things that we definitely need to ask to understand how young people are utilizing social media. How much time are they spending? We know that 30% of adolescents are utilizing social media after midnight, and yet at the same time, they need their sleep right. in order to do their schoolwork. Right. Well, you know, I, I need my sleep and I find myself scrolling, doom scrolling in the middle of the night. So, you know, you don't want your kids doing that too. Final question, uh, you know, you've seen a lot in your career when you, when you look at the mental health of children, uh, how troubling is this point in time as a result of these devices and social media? Thanks, Josh. I think one of the things that's really important is that it's different for every child and adolescent, depending on their developmental age, but also some of the things that they're struggling with. Some youth actually benefit from social media to have a sense of connectedness, to have a sense of belonging, a sense of positive identification for racial and ethnic minorities and sexual minority youth. But other kids, depending on whether or not they have issues with their body image, um, issues related to how they have their self-esteem, some of these kids, because of social media and manipulative design, some of these things can actually worsen on right. social media when they're doing social comparison and things right. like that. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a dangerous place to be. Dr. Warren Ang from New York Presbyterian, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's such an important issue, and thanks for doing the work that you do. Thank you. All right, and thank you. And as we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time, we will continue our discussion about the dangers of social media with Seven on Your Side's Nina Pineda. A nasty new Facebook hack is stealing accounts, selling fake stuff, and then pocketing the cash. Because they have access to all your info, they know exactly how to trick your friends, how to stop and spot the scam. Coming up. And welcome back to another... And welcome back to another crisis involving social media, this time a new scam targeting unsuspecting people online. Hackers have been taking over Facebook pages and stealing people's money. Already targeted everyone from famous actors to a retired firefighter from the tri-state area. So what is the scam and how do you protect yourself? Seven on Your Side's Nina Pineda has some answers. My Facebook page was hacked. As a retired firefighter, Pete Gagliardo is used to putting out fires, but he's helpless to hose down this flaming hot scam 
currently stealing from his friends. Yeah. It's happening as we speak right now. One person who sent 500, I know one that did 450. They all responded to this phony post. Hello everyone, we're cleaning out items from my dad's house. He got moved into age care and he is no longer in need of these items. My father passed away 13 years ago. And then this one, tickets to Morgan Wallen's sold-out show at MetLife. I just sent in 200, which was for one of the four tickets. Barbara and Evans quickly Zell. sent a Zell, but it wasn't to Pete. To and other friends bought items and Venmoed or PayPal'd, being told on direct message to send it to strangers. So I tried to contact Facebook to see if I can get my account back. Right. And I received a message, you know. We'll get back to you in 180 days. With 3 billion users on the planet, it's a six-month wait time for help with alleged hacksters. One is pretending to be Soprano star Vincent Curatolo. Hi, everybody. This is Vince. The New Jersey actor had strangers show up at his house looking for signed memorabilia, acting lessons, and shout-outs that they paid an imposter for on Facebook. I, I've never been on Facebook, Nina. I never had a Facebook page. Signs of a hack are notices about email, password, or birthday changes, friend requests and messages from strangers that you didn't write, and posts you didn't make. They're pocketing the cash. They're getting away with it. They're taking it right out of their account, putting it in theirs, and that's it. It's gone. Pete reached out to us. We contacted Facebook's parent Meta asking for help to stop the scam in its tracks. I reset everything because of you and seven on your side. Within hours, he got a link to reset and retook over his own page. And there was nobody there to help but you. Cheers, Cheers. to you and seven on your side. You're the best. If you get hacked, report it right away and then let your people know. Ask mutual friends and family to post warnings so they don't pay. And we're still working on getting refunds for victims who were tricked in this scam. Nina Pineda, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Back to you. All right, Nina, thank you. And as we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time, just three more days until the gloom finally goes away. Sun in the forecast. A final check of the exclusive AccuWeather forecast with Jeff Smith. Next. Friday is Groundhog Day, and communities across the country will engage in that time-worn and deeply scientific method of predicting the weather, involving a large rodent and its shadow. But Milltown, New Jersey has had to cancel this year's festivities because it seems they, they couldn't find a groundhog. So we enlisted Eyewitness News reporter Anthony Johnson to try to find one. Milltown Mel was a showstopper as the furry rodent prognosticator warmed the hearts of many by indicating an early spread. Unfortunately, Mel passed, and it's been a struggle to find a replacement. From Ohio to Vermont, we've called places, called wildlife refugees, we've called different zoos, we've called different exotic animal breeders. They're just not available. Efforts have been made to find a replacement, but state regulations don't make it easy to locate and own a groundhog. There's a, a, a rabies vector that was considered very dangerous from the south that was going to spread to the north, so they stopped importing any kind of animals, mostly rodents and small mammals, to the north. But Groundhog's Day has been a big celebration for the central Jersey town of 7,000 residents. Milltown is unique in its own way, especially with our small shops and, and businesses, and uh, we just love quirky little things like that. Leading up to last year's celebration, a groundhog had been tested, and many thought Mel T was the next big hit. But his southern roots forced state wildlife officials to take him away. He's somewhere else, but not New Jersey. 
About a thousand people turned out for past celebrations in Milltown, which gave the town a sense of pride. But Mel was right a lot, more than 50% more than of the time. This is the location where the stage is set up for the celebration and city officials and organizers are promising that next year there will be a Groundhog's Day celebration and a new Mel as the star. In Milltown, New Jersey, Anthony Johnson, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Rest in peace, Milltown Mel. Mm. Jeff Smith, this is your favorite day of the year, isn't it? Did I sense any cynicism when you said deeply scientific well, earlier? Is. Look, I mean, this is a, you know, look, meteorology <laughs> is a science, as we know, and Milltown Mel was correct more than 50% of the time. My, my question about that is, though, how do we even determine the thresholds of early spring versus, I mean, is it, do we get a 60-something degree day in March? Would that be considered, I, it, I, it's I, a, I don't know. It's a really good question, but the question it's, is, did he have his AMS seal, and will his replacement have one also? Definitely not to both of those. Yeah. All right. Here's a look outside right now as we look over toward uh, lower Manhattan. I think my AMS seal will come on the lower third. Oh, there, there it is. is. Look at that right there, the AMS. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of clouds out there. Hey, it's hard enough to predict seasonal forecasts for us meteorologists, even with all the computer guidance in the world. So you can see it's even harder for a rodent. 39 right now in Central Park. Cloudy skies out there. And uh, the wind is pretty lighter, up three miles per hour. 40 was our high after a morning low of 34 degrees. Today, getting up to 40, average highs around 40, so we're right on target. The record was 63. That was set back in 1916. Rainfall today, of course, none, but we did wake up to a little bit of a coating of snow in some areas west of New York City, especially over interior parts of New Jersey. Sun setting these days, 512, rising tomorrow morning around 707. By the way, on the state back in 1920, it got all the way down to one degree below zero. 38 at Tito Barrow right now, 39, your number at LaGuardia, 40 at Newark, 36 at White Plains. You get middle 30s, Poughkeepsie and Newburgh and Sussex. You're 37 down the shore at Belmar. Pretty uniform temperatures across the area. There's no extreme cold on the map, that's for sure. So a lot of clouds out there, and the clouds will continue for a time into this evening. But watch what happens overnight. I think we clear out for a little bit for a few hours before clouds kind of roll back in around 7, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I think you'll wake up to a little bit of uh, brightening or thinning of the cloud cover early in the morning before clouds kind of increase again during the day. What's new? Now, over the southern half of New Jersey, you have a better shot at more in the way of brightening, and that can allow your numbers to get up closer to the 50-degree mark as you head down towards, say, Belmar and Toms River. Meanwhile, to the north, thicker cloud cover. We're talking about numbers in the 40s. We split the difference here in the city. It's a a blend of sun and clouds, but definitely clouds winning out over sunshine. Now, later on tomorrow evening, there'll be some rain developing as a front approaches from the north and west. And I think it does come down as rainfall initially, but it can actually switch over, at least mix with some wet snowflakes in the highest elevations well north and west of New York City. We're not expecting any accumulation from that because temperatures are well above the freezing mark, even in these areas. But there could be a couple of wet snowflakes coming down later on tomorrow night. I think the majority of the steady rain is south and east of us by 7 a.m. on Friday. But there can still be a shower or two of rain or snow, depending on where you are, left over during the day. And it's a breezy day Friday. Temperatures topping off in the middle 40s. And then finally, what we've been waiting for, the sunshine. We have a nice push of drier air coming in just in time for the weekend. Lingering cloudiness overnight, but parts of the area could turn out 
partly cloudy, at least thinning of the cloud cover for a time. It's clouds and limited sunshine. Again, the nicest day of the week tomorrow with those numbers getting up near the 50 degree mark. We're mainly cloudy tomorrow night. Rain at times from late evening onward. Maybe some wet snowflakes mixed in in some spots north and west of New York City. So again, some early showers on Friday and then remaining mostly cloudy for Groundhog Day. They're 46 and then look at the stretch of sunshine we have, Josh. 42 Saturday, mid 40s on Sunday. That's a great day. Back to the lower 40s Monday Tuesday, but we are on a roll into the middle part of next week. You will need the sunglasses, that's for sure. You know, here's a scientific fact. If Groundhog Day were Saturday, he would see a shadow. Yeah, yes, that is a very good, Josh. There we go. I okay. like this. Glad. Okay. AMS yeah. seal uh, sent to you. Good, good. That were, that's great. It's, <laughs> it's my next, it's my ticket out. All right, Jeff, thank you. And that wraps up this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh Heinecker. A reminder, Extra Time is now a podcast. You can listen to this show if you want to hear more about Milltown Mel, as well as past shows on the go. Just search Extra Time on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. We're back live on Eyewitness News tonight at 11. Hope to see you then. For now, have a great night.